You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Another twist tonight after the arrest of a BC fugitive murder suspect in California. Newly unsealed court documents show Brandon Teixeira's alias was Ryan Provence. That's the name of a victim of an unsolved murder case on this side of the border. Sarah McDonald has more on the questions that's raising about a possible connection between the two. Two men sharing a striking resemblance, and we now know potentially a sinister connection. One of them dead, murdered months ago. The other sitting in a prison cell south of the border. The Canadian authorities believe they've got a very strong, ready-to-try uh, case of murder. Court documents filed in California in the extradition of Canadian fugitive Brandon Teixeira list a curious alias among multiple monikers, Ryan Provence. The same name and spelling of this Ryan Provence, who vanished last July alongside associate Richard Skurr. Both men found murdered and believed to be targeted in BC's interior one month later. The most common conclusions you can come to is that the person uh, that has been arrested has used that name in some capacity. These court documents filed by Canadian authorities detail one potential link between Teixeira and Privanche, dating back to that 2017 murder that first made Teixeira a fugitive. A vehicle allegedly used in that double shooting and rented at this Surrey business, leased by somebody using the identity of Teixeira's then roommate, who shares the same initials as Ryan Privanche. If he's using the name of this person, uh, either he used it in some form uh, to cross the border or he has some ID in that name. Canadian homicide investigators not commenting Wednesday when asked if Teixeira is a suspect in any other homicides, including those of Provence and Skur, or if one of the country's most wanted allegedly motivated to kill an associate for a six-figure bounty is suspected of being a contract killer. American authorities also not confirming or denying Teixeira entered the United States using that alias listed in court documents. It is imperative that we uh, bring Mr. Teixeira in custody uh, and we bring him before the courts. There is one thing that is crystal clear. The increasing intensity of the investigation and the public appeals for Teixeira, including a $55,000 reward, not typical. Investigators were desperate to get this alleged killer behind bars, where he sits now awaiting extradition in a California jail cell. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Carlton Stevens has been acquitted of attempted murder in a shooting that caused his pregnant ex-girlfriend to lose her child. Grace Key was in court today for the decision, and Grace, the judge ruled that Stevens fired the shot that struck his ex, but still the not guilty verdict. What are the reasons? So you do have to prove specific intent. And in this case, the judge believed there was reasonable doubt that Carlton Stevens intended to shoot his ex-girlfriend and that the target may have been Taj Lovett. Now, he was in bed with the ex-girlfriend at the time of the shooting. That shooting happened in a loft above a print shop in Vancouver. The ex-girlfriend has been identified as JY due to a publication ban. She was pregnant with Stevens' child at the time. The judge questioned her sequence of events. JY testified she woke up to find Stevens by her bed loading a weapon and he shot her while she tried to run. Now that's contrary to another witness who testified that a struggle occurred first between Stevens and Lovett and then a shot was fired. 
That bullet hit Lovett in the arm and then JY in the stomach. Now, Stevens had made threats to the pair. Stevens wasn't charged with shooting Lovett, Crown saying that Lovett was not cooperating. Crown had no comment after the verdict, but we did speak with defense. Well, he's not walking free on an attempted murder. Attempted murder, by definition, is a specific intent offense. You have to prove the intent to kill. It's built right into the nature of the charge. You have to prove the intent to kill. That's true, but, but he did shoot two people. In the course of a struggle. A firearm was discharged in the course of a struggle between two males. All right, Grace, Stevens was also facing a charge related to the gun. What happened with that? Yeah, so he remains in custody. He still faces uh, this charge. He was in pos uh, possession of a firearm. That would have been in breach of a court order, order for a prior offense. So he will have to go for trial for that. A trial date has not been set yet, and he will be seeking release on bail. Chris? Gotcha. All right, thanks very much. Grace Key reporting for us in Vancouver. Former Burns Lake Mayor Luke Strimbold is going to jail. Today, a judge sentenced Strimbold to two years less a day in prison for sex crimes against youth and two years probation. Strimbold pleaded guilty to two counts of sexual assault and one count each of sexual interference and invitation to sexual touching. All the victims were under the age of 16 at the time the incidents took place between the years 2014 and 2017, which overlaps with his time as mayor family of a missing Calgary man whose burned-out truck was found here in B.C. are appealing to the public for help tonight. A cousin of Marshall Iwasa tells Global News none of it makes sense, and they have no idea why he would disappear. As John Waugh reports, they're holding out hope he'll be found soon. There's so much sand on this. Marshall Iwasa loved being outdoors. Go. Kept in good shape. It's too hard. And was close to friends, but especially his family always in contact with his sister and his mom. So it, this is not making any sense. Even more troubling, the discovery of his burned-out truck in Pemberton, found nearly 900 kilometres from Calgary, where he was supposed to be heading. He was last seen in Lethbridge November 17th while visiting his mom. To, to get the call from the police that his truck had been found burnt out in, in Pemberton was just devastating. Two and a half weeks later, the update from Whistler RCMP, hard for any family to hear. Currently, we've suspended our search. We searched the immediate area and we've got nowhere else indicating uh, an, an idea where he may be. Previous searches of the area had uncovered two passports, an expired one belonging to Iwasa, another with the ID page ripped out. Clothing was also found by a creek, but water searches found nothing else. We believe that he was likely the driver. Uh, there's some personal effects around in the area, but there's nothing to suggest that there was uh, anything um, suspicious that occurred. You're just sad because you, you love him and it hurts and you want him back home. Worried a search won't resume without new leads, Iwasa's family is determined to leave no stone unturned. Asking anyone who may have spotted the 26-year-old or this truck between Lethbridge, Calgary and Pemberton to come forward. We're trying to reach uh, communities in the smaller um, areas in between, anywhere where he might have stopped, stayed someplace, bought gas. For someone who always put family first, loved ones say it's hard to believe Marshall Iwasa would want to harm himself. Your heart breaks. We just want him back. We just want him back. The only thing they can do is hold on to hope and keep darker thoughts of what could have happened at bay. John Hua, Global News. 
Some dash cam video is proving very useful for RCMP as they investigate a hit and run in Surrey. Neng Chang says he was stopped at a red light at 168th Street and Highway 10 when he was hit from behind by a dark-colored pickup truck. The impact pushed his Toyota 4Runner several meters. Then he was hit again as the driver took off. Chang was unable to get the truck's license plate but has turned his dash cam video over to police. If you do get involved in a collision, please do contact police. The, uh, you'll need to do that anyway to be able to follow up with any insurance claim. And if you have dash cam video of that incident, it's best to provide that directly to police and to not share it online with anyone else because it could potentially taint any evidence that we're able to gather. Surrey City Councilor Doug Elford is sharing an unsettling experience. Elford was the victim of two recent thefts, one of them a break and enter while his family slept. And while City Council recently voted down more money in the budget for RCMP, Elford defends that move and explains to our Aaron MacArthur why he still believes a civic police force is the right way to go. Doug Elford cares about his community. More often than not, you'll find him out in the neighborhood picking up litter. The Surrey City Councillor found himself on the wrong end of community crime last month when he woke up to find a burglar in his house while his family was asleep. They knew we were home and they were brazen enough to break into my house. That's troubling. Yeah, it, it is troubling. Elford thinks this is the kind of crime that demands a new model of policing. He believes a civic police force would be a better option to deal with crimes like this. We're the last city in, in largest city in, in Canada that doesn't have our own municipal police force. And, and, and I ask people, why is that? All in favor? At the same time, as yes. Elford makes the argument for community comps, he voted to approve a new budget with no new members for the current Surrey RCMP. The officer in charge of the detachment writing in a statement, frontline services would suffer, and that in the long term, we cannot expect to see crime go down in a growing city. I'm going to wait for the, our new chief to decide what, how we're going to police in Surrey. The argument is being made that the shield shouldn't matter at all. SFU criminologist Rob Gordon believes the region needs a unified police force before further fragmenting resources. There are standardized community policing methods and so it's the, the distinctions are not that um, are not that readily obvious. A transition to a municipal force could take years to accomplish. Elford is confident it will happen faster than many will expect, and it will mean better outcomes for everyone in Surrey. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. An SUV took out part of a building in Saanich this morning, forcing several people from their homes. As you can see, the damage to. Cuckoo's takeout and catering is considerable. The accident happened at 8.45 this morning, a time this stretch of road is usually bustling with traffic. Thankfully, no one was seriously hurt. The driver was alone in her SUV when she jumped the curb and careened into the restaurant. She came to a stop about 50 meters away at a gas station. The woman was taken to hospital with minor injuries. Saanich police believe the cause of the crash was medical. It is pretty upsetting and it's... Uh... You know, like just another five minutes would have been inside the restaurant. We're just really fortunate that this area, which is a highly trafficked pedestrian area, especially at 8.45 in the morning, uh, commuters are going to work, that no one was injured and, uh, and other than, you know, the minor injuries to the driver. 
Well, district engineers say no one is allowed in the building, including those who live above it, above the, the restaurant, until a missing beam is replaced. Another bump in the long road to ride hailing in this province. There are new questions tonight whether separate licensing fees imposed by each municipality will prevent rubber from ever hitting the road. Richard Zussman adds up the numbers and explains how it could impact your choice. Burnaby, ground zero for a battle brewing over municipal business licenses that could rock the launch of ride sharing in British Columbia. We're not stopping them. We are, in fact, we are saying, look, the more the merrier, if that's what you want to do and come and work for us. Uh, but here's the fee what we charge. The catch, the fee is nearly four times higher in Burnaby than anywhere else in Metro Vancouver. Burnaby has the highest fee at $510 per vehicle, Richmond at $132, Vancouver at $100, and Delta $25 per driver. And that may not be it. The Tri-Cities have a regional license that tax on $0.10 cents per ride. New Westminster and the North Shore are hoping to be part of a larger regional plan. And Surrey has no plans on issuing business permits for ride-sharing. Ride-share companies say these fees could make it impossible to operate. So we're looking to work with all municipalities to create a new licensing framework that welcomes ride-sharing to the region in a fair manner. The provincial government says municipalities are not allowed to block ride-sharing companies from operating, and the province has promised the ride-sharing will be on the road by Christmas. Metro Vancouver's Mayor's Council is meeting next week to discuss the idea of a regional business license. I think it actually makes a lot of sense for all of the cities in, in Metro Vancouver to, to work together toward a coordinated approach, and I'm hopeful the discussion at the, the Mayor's Council leads us in that direction. Across North America, municipalities have put in place per-trip fees that allow for a regional approach to transportation. Um, Per-vehicle fees do the opposite of that. They force drivers to pay out-of-pocket expenses up front. But Dollywall says Burnaby won't agree on a business regional license that's less than what cabs pay. What we want to do is make sure it's the same system that works for our local, local businesses, it works for any business, it doesn't matter where you come from. And the community won't back down until taxis like ride-sharing companies can operate in Metro Vancouver without regional boundaries. Richard Zussman, Global News. Right now, though, the average Canadian family will shell out nearly $500 more on food next year, with climate change being singled out as the biggest contributing factor. Ted Chernecki breaks down what will cost you more and why the price pain here in B.C. will be even worse. If you thought food was expensive now, just wait. Dalhousie and Guelph universities have been forecasting the cost of groceries for a decade and doing so relatively accurately. Prices in 2020 are heading skyward with B.C. expected to go up more than the national average. We wouldn't be surprised if by this time next year, Food inflation will actually would have exceeded 4% in many areas of the country. These forecasts are national, with BC expected to be higher because our economy is stronger. Bakery products rise the least at 2% or less, dairy 1 to 3%, restaurants, seafood and vegetables up 2 to 4%, fruit 1.5 to 3.5, and the Whopper meat 4 to 6%. The story is global. It's China wanting more protein. It's buying pork, beef, from all over the world, including Canada. The report cites climate change as a driving force. Droughts, floods, wildfires. 
The Canadian Prairie saw an unusually early snowfall that inflicted significant damage to this year's yield. We've been calling it the harvest from hell. We've had snow off and on since September. One way around climate change is climate control, as in the hundreds of hectares of greenhouses popping up all around BC. 30 years ago, BC had nothing like this. Here at Sunnyside Produce in Delta, another 15-acre building is going up in the new year. Far harder to control are geopolitical trade wars. Uh, it's been a problem over the last few years uh, for reasons we all know, but that's only going to continue into the new year. The, the geopolitics are really affecting our ability to feed ourselves and to feed the rest of the world. The study suggests Canadians on average will have to pay almost $500 more on food next year for an annual grocery bill approaching $12,700. And that is a conservative estimate. Ted Chernacki, Global News. Firefighters say a medical emergency that sent seven people to hospital in Pitt Meadows yesterday afternoon is a lesson for everyone. As Catherine Urquhart reports, the near tragedy illustrates the life-saving importance of carbon monoxide detectors. He evacuated downstairs, came upstairs and said, get out now. John Hopkirk is lucky to be alive. On Tuesday, fire officials ordered him and six others out of a commercial building in Pitt Meadows, where everyone was suffering from carbon monoxide poisoning. Crews attended using their gas detectors. They quickly determined that the building was experiencing very high levels of CO. BC Ambulance had a great response and took care of the seven patients that were complaining of some form of illness, whether that be headaches, nausea. All seven were rushed to hospital. We just sort of went in the door and they had an alcove and they had set up chairs and oxygen tanks and all that. Everyone was later released. J8 Plumbing and Heating is now fixing the problem, which was metal fatigue in the HVAC system. Any gas appliance systems need to be checked once a year, uh, no matter what kind they are. So at least you know they're operating at, their, at the manufacturer recommendations. The incident also a stark reminder. Carbon monoxide alarms save lives. The Pitt Meadows building didn't have any working units installed. Anybody who has a, uh, a gas-fired uh, appliances of any kind, I do recommend having a CO detector. Make sure that there is one because, as I said, this was, to my sense, tasteless, odorless, and possibly very harmful. Those alarms now being purchased and installed. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. All right, good reminder. And uh, another reminder about a great seasonal event benefiting a good cause and spreading holiday cheer tonight. Meteorologist Christy Gordon is at Bright Nights in Stanley Park tonight. Um, tradition for many families in Metro Vancouver. Christy? Sure is. It's been around for 22 years, you two. And one guy who's almost been here for the entire time. Not entirely, I know. But this is Ray Boucher. He's the uh, VP of the BC Firefighters Burn Fund. Thank you for having us here. Ray, this is quite an undertaking. Over 3 million lights. How long does it take you guys to put it together? And it's all volunteer, by the way. Well, 3 million lights. And we got about 400 firefighters that come here. They donate their time. And they're here through the rain, through whatever the weather's doing. And uh, we get it all put together. I try and keep the sun for you guys through November. It's a tough one. <laughs> this year, November was great. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Now, uh, I'll tell you, there's a lot of lights down here. One of my favorite sort of festive uh, events to come down here. Um, is it? Does it change up every year? What can people expect? Yeah, it changes up every year. We buy more born lights. We buy more equipment. We buy displays. Uh, we rotate things around so it has a different look every year. It sure does. And, of course, the train is a huge aspect of it. Uh, to get tickets, you need to go online. You can also buy them here. It's on every day of the week, on the weekends and matinee. Go to uh, brightnights.ca for tickets. And we have a little surprise for you. <laughs> you can also get trinkets like this. <laughs> and the legs A turkey move. and a reindeer. Yeah. I love it. We had to do that for you guys. (laughs) Very cool. Thanks, Christy. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's comments about Donald Trump's news conference caught on video at Buckingham Palace and still the talk of the NATO summit in London. They aren't exactly best friends anyway, but Trudeau's comments and how they're playing out in international media threaten to undermine their diplomatic relationship. As Global's Redmond Shannon reports, both leaders were quick to try to smooth things over today. A casual conversation that overshadowed a NATO commemoration. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau caught on camera apparently mocking U.S. President Donald Trump in Buckingham Palace. Once the video was public, a Trump response to Trudeau's loose words was inevitable. Well, he's too fast. Do you think that Germany is too nice? And honestly, with Trudeau, he's a nice guy. I, I find him to be a very nice guy. But, you know, the truth is that uh, I called him out on the fact that he's not paying 2%. And I guess he's not very happy about it. Look, I'm representing the U.S. And he should be paying more than he's paying, and he understands it. So I can imagine, I can imagine he's not that happy, but that's the way it is. Justin Trudeau was eager to smooth out the creases caused by the faux pas, insisting Canada and the U.S. have a constructive relationship. Last night I made a reference to the fact that uh, there was an unscheduled press conference uh, before my meeting with uh, President Trump, and I was happy to take part of it, uh, but it was certainly notable. And I've had a number of good conversations with the President over the course of this, uh, this, this day and yesterday. Amid the acrimony, one positive note for NATO was the decision by Turkish President Tayyip Erdogan to back down from a threat to block NATO's plans in northeastern Europe. He had been insisting that NATO members declare Kurdish militants as terrorists. At the end of the meeting, all 29 members issued a joint statement of unity where they highlighted the threat they say is posed by Russia's aggressive actions. Redmond Shannon, Global News, London. A warning now about this next video. It might be too intense for some people. Dramatic pictures that show the human cost of the civil war in Syria. Members of the volunteer group, the White Helmets, scrambled to pull children and a baby from the rubble of a home hit by a bomb strike. While all of the children survived, one photographer is so overcome by the scene, he has to put down his camera and cry. The video ends with the White Helmets racing into another collapsed building.
The next step in the impeachment process against Donald Trump got underway today with the first day of the House Judiciary Committee's hearings. Of the four legal experts who appeared, three backed impeachment. Their opinions, though, falling along partisan lines. The facts before us are undisputed. The House Judiciary Committee questioned four law professors to discuss whether President Trump's actions related to Ukraine rise to the level of an impeachable offense. Based on that evidence and those findings, the president did commit an impeachable abuse of office. Same answer. We three are unanimous. The three legal experts called by Democrats backed impeachment. What we're, if what we're talking about is not impeachable, then nothing is impeachable. Jonathan Turley, a CBS News contributor, was the only witness for the Republicans. This is the narrowest impeachment in history. While Turley did not excuse the president's behavior, he cautioned the panel about using charges of obstruction and bribery. This isn't improv improvisational jazz. Close enough is not good enough. If you're going to accuse a president of bribery, you need to make it stick. During the hearing, academic arguments about the Constitution were frequently interrupted by partisan bickering. Investigation. Gentlemen, I yield back. Thanks Gentlemen, for bringing down the gavel heart. That was nice. The hearing devolved during a discussion of the difference between a president and a king and one witness's attempt at humor. While the president can name his son Baron, he can't make him a Baron. <laughs> that does not lend credibility to your argument. It makes you look mean. Professor Pamela Carlin later apologized. I want to apologize for uh, what I said earlier about the president's son. It was wrong of me to do that. The White House press secretary called the hearing a sham and said Congress should be working for the American people. Natalie Brand, CBS News, Capitol Hill. In Health Matters tonight, new research is raising concerns about the hair treatments used by millions of women. The study of more than 46,000 women found a link between permanent hair dyes and chemical straighteners and an increased risk for breast cancer. Tonight, new concerns over hair dyes and chemical straighteners. A study of almost 50,000 women found a 9% increased risk of breast cancer for those who use permanent hair dye and an 18% increased risk for those who use straighteners. The numbers went up for those who use products more frequently, as well as for African-American women who had a 45% increased risk if they used permanent dye. It's possible that the products marketed to black women um, based on their hair texture and type might be different than the products marketed towards white women. The research can't say dyes and straighteners cause cancer, but experts say the more than 5,000 chemicals in hair products could be one factor. Some of them, which we call endocrine disruptors, can actually enter into the bloodstream and go to the breast tissue, damage DNA, and thereby increase the risk of cancer. The study's authors caution more research is needed and say it's not time to stop using dyes and straighteners. A lot of different factors influence a woman's risk of developing breast cancer, um, including their um, weight and their diet and their physical activity. The study found no increased risk for semi-permanent dyes. Experts say you can also wear gloves, don't leave products on your head for longer than the directions say, and always rinse your scalp thoroughly. Tonight, words of caution for the millions who color or straighten their hair. Kristen Dahlgren, NBC News, New York. Delta's Orphaned Wildlife Rehabilitation Society has an epidemic of sorts on its hands. A record number of sick and injured birds of prey. Linda Aylesworth tells us why and how Metro Vancouver homeowners can actually help prevent the birds from getting sick. 
So, so far this year, we've had uh, 787 birds come through our doors. Never in the Orphaned Wildlife Rehabilitation Society's 35-year history have so many birds of prey needed their help. We're so full that we have been putting kennels on floors, and we have two red tails with broken legs here. Perhaps it's because the weather was particularly mild earlier this year, allowing so many birds to thrive and survive. But now that the food is sort of becoming more scarce, they're pushed into more and more populated areas to find food, and that's usually where we're running into problems. Lots of raptors are showing up in the cities. A barred owl was recently rescued near St. Paul's Hospital, under siege by an aptly named murder of crows. One of the problems they're encountering, poison. He's still bleeding, so that's not good. It might be what took down the St. Paul's owl. A potential reason for that bird still bleeding is that he ate a rat or a mouse that had ingested second-generation anticoagulant rat poison. It's almost certainly what happened to this barred owl found at Hastings Park. He's actually shaking, and that could be the poisons in his system are causing that. There's not a lot they can do to help the birds, but there's plenty we can do to prevent the problem. Don't leave things out that attract rodents, or use a trap. As far as bait goes, we find around here peanut butter works best. If you don't mind investing a little more money... It's a Good Nature A24 trap, which is a CO2-powered trap with a bolt that fires out of it. We decided to sacrifice a strawberry freezy to the cause. It looks brutal, but it's effective and humane. Once it's down on the ground, any cat, any dog, any bird can now scavenge it because there's no poison and it's not going to hurt anything. Going the non-toxic route might take a little more effort, but it's a small price to pay for the suffering you'll prevent. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. After being victimized twice by the same porch pirate, a Missouri family had had enough. After the forecast, how they finally got their revenge. Oh, it's creative. It is. Satisfying, too. <laughs> All right, let's head back down to Stanley Park. Meteorologist Christy Gordon at bright nights. Took the turkey off her head, mm -hmm. uh, but maybe we'll get to see you again later. <laughs> Maybe. It was a little distracting. It also made some, some I don't know, what sounds did turkeys make? Gobble gobble oh. sounds. So it was a little distracting. All right. Uh, lots of fun down here. Lots to Instagram moments or spots for you if you're into that. Uh, all it is is a donation at the door. Of course, it goes to the burn fund. I really recommend you get your tickets online for the train because there are some sellout days, especially as we approach to, uh, Christmas. Those days tend to sell out. And a pro tip also uh, for you, not only get your tickets online, but uh, the parking is free. So this is a great event to come down here. All right. Tonight is going to get cold across the north. Windy conditions expected. So you'll note a number of those regions expecting wind chills. The wind chill, again, is on the right. Your regular temperature is on the left. Down through the south, though, no winds, but it will be cold. Skies are going to clear. And so here in Metro Vancouver, we saw a low of 7 last night. Tonight, 1. So much colder, as you'll note. Now, we are going to see some cloud cover roll in tomorrow. There's a system that's tracking north of our region. So it's just going to clip our area. We do have a chance of rain. Don't head out without a rain jacket tomorrow. 
tomorrow, but there's a good chance that will remain dry. Maybe a chance of showers later in the day, but for the most part, that moisture north of our region. Friday will be wet, but I really would recommend keeping an umbrella handy tomorrow, though. Uh, so there's your forecast. Send the kids to school with a rain jacket, but they probably won't need it until much later in the day. Quick forecast across the region. I am getting wrapped in my hair, so I am going to go through this for you. Mostly dry tomorrow after the snowfall we saw today, and for our region, we are expecting rainfall mostly north of our area and then breaks the blue sky. And then Friday, Saturday look wet, but some sunshine for us on Sunday and a beautiful shot of Chimney Lake to end things up. Bye, guys. All right. Thanks very much, Christy. A family in Hazelwood, Missouri, played the ultimate prank on a porch pirate who'd hit them twice. Their security camera caught a woman stealing an Amazon package left behind their glass door. A few days later, another Amazon delivery, and she came back. So, with a little help from their toddler, they set a trap. A couple of dirty diapers carefully packaged up, and sure enough, their personal porch pirate stole that as well. She was arrested a short time later. The local police say the family's solution was creative, but in a statement they say, we do not particularly encourage the transfer of bodily fluids or solids in this case. There you have it. The well, news that of was, the day. That was more information I needed to know. Yes, yes. How did the cops find her? It's like, you're it. Uh. <laughs> Could have worked that way. That's the worst. I mean, that woman, she's <laughs> ending her life a crime, that's for sure. Good stuff coming up in the sportscast tonight with Squire Barnes. Yes, we'll start with Antoine Roussel. We talked about him last night, his first game back after that devastating knee injury. Uh, the Canucks have today off. They'll have tomorrow off so they can heal some bumps and bruises. Roussel is healing from his first game. Uh, the rest of the players are healing from that recent six-game road trip. But Roussel, I'm thinking, was so jacked up about finally getting back on the ice and playing with his teammates, he probably would have happily practiced today. He probably would have happily practiced at 2 in the morning. He scored a goal in his first shift of the night against Ottawa last night, a game the Canucks won. And it was on a night, of course, when one of his best friends in hockey was being honored by the Canucks. On the night the Canucks lifted the curtain on Alex Burroughs' spot in the Ring of Honor, his old buddy Antoine Roussel lifted the curtain on his season after rehabbing from a serious knee injury. I was kind of dreaming about it, like, but like I didn't think that could be like, oh, that could be doable, and uh, it just happened. So it was uh, perfect. Alex Burroughs even congratulated him during his intermission interview. When I signed my deal here, I didn't say it too often, but when I signed my deal with Vancouver, I was uh, at his house signing it. So it was uh, kind of funny that uh, uh, I scored on his night and uh, just, uh, I don't know, it was special for me and uh, it was special for him, obviously. It was also special for the current Canucks roster because Roussel is almost like a big brother to a lot of the younger players with an infectious enthusiasm for the game that rubs off on everybody. He has so much energy and so much passion for the game. You know, it's, it's tough not to wear off on you. Um, you know, just his, uh, his compete level, his, his work ethic, and for him to, to come and, and make a statement like he did last game was, uh, was big. Still got a smile on your face, though. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, they play hockey for a living. There's worse thing in life. 
Roussel wasn't the only Canuck smiling. And again, let's one go. Tip down. Zach McEwen. Zach McEwen scored his first ever NHL goal. And Oscar Fantenberg got his first ever goal as a Canuck, replacing the injured Alex Edler. No, he's been a trooper and working hard in practice and, and off the ice to, to stay in game shape and for him to get in and play as well as he has uh, these last couple games. It's big for his confidence and big for our group that we have a guy like that that can step in and contribute right away. He's back, Nazem Kadri now an avalanche in Toronto, playing with one of the best in Nathan McKinnon. Man, this guy is big time skill. What a shot. And he's pretty good in those Tim Horton commercials with Sidney Crosby, too. Top corner, one nothing. Even though you are knocked down, kids, you should always get up and keep on trying. That's what Zach Hyman did. And he scores. 1-1. But the Leafs mess up a power play right at the blue line, and it's Valerie Niskushkin, the goal and the win for the Avs in T.O. It was the Merseyside sides playing in English Premier League today. Liverpool against Everton. Liverpool has not lost the game in Premiership this year. Divock Origi. That uh, made it 3-1. The nice uh, dribbling and passing. It was sumptuous. Roberto Firmino with the moves. Jorginho. Wijnaldum. Goal. So, Liverpool on top of the tables, eight points ahead of Leicester City. I wanted to show you guys this. Uh, this is CIBC Wood Gundy. It's a charity event they like to do at Britannia Rink where kids come out and skate. Look who was out there with them, the Sedins. I am never ceased to be amazed at how these guys help the community. There they are, tying skates skating with kids. A lot of these kids probably have never been on the ice before. They were about 400 kids. A quarter of them were children of refugees to Canada. And there are the Sedines helping as always. Aww. It's fun to be out and skate with kids. A lot of these kids have never skated before and uh, it's nice to be able to help them take their first uh, strides on the ice. And uh, This is a great cause. I think this, uh, this program helps with uh, supporting five inner city schools uh, with food, food programs and uh, like a day today, like we get get a chance to try a new sport. It's, it's been great. We do a few of these every every year, and uh, whenever we get a chance to, to come out of this, it's uh, it's usually a pretty easy answer. So it's uh, it's always fun. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know how many times you can say it. Those guys are the real deal. They yeah, they totally are. And I'm glad we're in the 22 down. and 33 helmets. I know. Well, like teaching the kids always yeah. wear your helmet. <laughs> Thanks. And it's easier for the kids to tell them apart. Right. Here's your snow report for this evening. Whistler Blackcomb picked up seven centimeters of fresh snow. Grouse and Cypress, nothing new. Sasquatch will open next Thursday. Manning Park still waiting to find a date, but Revelstoke received 19 centimeters of fresh snow. Fernie, seven. And Kicking Horse will open on Friday. Big White picked up no new snow. Silver Star, two. Sun Peaks, one. Apex opens on Saturday. Mount Washington was going to open on Friday, but they're delaying their opening now. Whitewater will open on Friday. Red Mountain next Thursday. And Powder King, three centimeters of fresh snow. No. Coming up on ET Canada, meet the new cast of the sixth and final season of Vikings. Plus, we're in Ireland and getting a VIP tour of the set. That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie.
All right. Thank you very much. It is one of the most iconic Christmas images in the world, that enormous tree at New York's Rockefeller Center. As NBC's Gaddy Schwartz tells us, it's a long journey to the big moment tonight, the official lighting. When Carol Schultz planted her Norway spruce 60 years ago, she knew it was destined for greatness. I always said, you're going to be up in Rockefeller Center someday. And you're going to be a beautiful tree when you get older. And as soon as her tree was chosen and brought to the big city, people couldn't get enough. What do you guys think? It's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Down below, renowned architect and star maker Daniel Liebenskin oversees the placement of three million crystals. The star always has represented peace, has represented hope of humanity. For a closer look, we headed seven stories up. You know what it smells like up here? It smells like Christmas. It smells like Christmas, right? Yeah. <laughs> For weeks, electricians have been stringing up 50,000 lights, five miles of wires to make sure everything is perfect. This star is about to become the center of the New York universe. But before we can light it up, we got to head down so this scaffolding can come down too. And as the final touches are set, Carol Schultz is ready for the moment she's been waiting more than a half a century to share. When I see the tree lit up, I'm probably going to cry. My hope is that it'll bring happiness to people and I hope they enjoy it. Almost as much went into that tree as went into my tree, so... Almost. 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 Is yours nice? that tall? <laughs> It'd be nice to see it lit it's up. that special. I... Yeah. <laughs> hey, you want to see lights? Check out Bright Nights at Stanley Park. That's where Christy is tonight. Christy? That's right. And if you want to come and say hello to a bunch of firefighters, because they spend a lot of time down here volunteering their time and effort. This group here from uh, Port Moody. So we're so thankful that they're uh, contributing their time, raising money for the Firefighter Burn Fund. Let's say goodbye to everyone at home. Bye. Come on down. Great work down there, you guys. guys. Awesome. Keep that turkey hat, Christy. We'll find a use for it. (laughs) That was a good one. we got to replay that. All right. That's all the time we have for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Have a good night.